In New York City, eating out is a pastime. There are so many restaurants to choose from. But when you dine out, how much thought do you put into the person serving you the food? Or think about this: How much thought does your server put into you? You might be surprised. Good morning. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. On this morning's show, we'll get inside the mind of a waiter. If you were trying to act like a big deal when it came time to pay the bill, I would say, "Hey, hey, your credit card declined." Also today, how would you define yourself as a tipper? We asked a bunch of people that question. I put myself through college working as a bartender, so I tend to overtip. We'll take a very close look at tipping behavior coming up on Cityscape. Glad you're with us. Steve Dublonica waited tables for years at an eatery in an affluent New York City suburb and ranted about his job in a blog. Now he's out with a book about his experiences. It's called Waiter Rant. Thanks for the tip. Confessions of a cynical waiter. Steve joins us now on the phone. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. How are you doing today? Good. We should point out that you are no longer a waiter, right? I retired uh, for fear of my life. <laughs> I'm sure some aggrieved person I wrote about <laughs> might have something to say to me, so I'm avoiding that altogether. You kept a blog for a long time, also called Waiter Rant. You did that anonymously. You've only recently come out. I wrote the blog anonymously because I didn't want my customers like saying, "Oh, I don't want him as my waiter. He's going to write about me." So I kept it all secret. And then when the book came out, we, you know, the book says written by the waiter. It doesn't have my name on it. And we decided, you know, you have to sell a book. You have to sell the book. You can't do it with the bag over your head. So we decided that I would come out of the waiter closet, as it were, and make my name known. And now、uh, the name is on the book. So how long did you wait tables? Nine long years. <laughs> Emphasis on the long, right? Yeah, it was a long nine years. I mean, I enjoyed it for a good part of that time、um, because. Being a waiter can be a blast. I mean, you know, you get your social fix. You're making, you can make a lot of money being a waiter. And if you're like me and you like the, you know, you like the nighttime kind of nightlife, then everything's very cool. But you know, when you're pushing forty, I am forty now. You know, that gets old really quick, <laughs> and it's time to move on to other pastures. You had aspirations of being a priest. How did you end up being a waiter? I kind of figured out celibacy wasn't going to work for me. <laughs> I said, you know, time to look for something else. And my degree was in psychology, so I was working in a psychiatric hospital. So I was like the guy with the butterfly net. You know, people would go crazy, and I would, I would put them in restraints. And then eventually, you know, I just got. Fired and laid off from so many jobs, I was unhirable, and I became a waiter. In the book, you compare waiting tables to gambling. What's the comparison there? Every waiter will tell you: you never know quite what you're going to make.、Um, you can walk in on a on a Wednesday night and make twenty bucks, or you can make five hundred. It's an intermittent rewards, and that's the same principle that they get people hooked on slot machines with. You know, sometimes you might win. And the psychologists say that's a good way to make someone compulsively do something. And it turns out my armchair psychology theory on it is that waiters can kind of fall into that pattern too. Because there's like a drama: you're sweating the bills. Am I going to make enough money? And then you make every dime you need to make at the last possible moment. It can be quite a quite an addictive paradigm. That's for sure. You also write in the book that waiters like to think that they're on the same economic level as their clientele. 
What do you mean yeah, by that exactly? Yeah, well, I wrote in the book that a waiter will not want to spend two hundred dollars on a new pair of work shoes, but they'll drop that no problem at a, at a trendy restaurant if they're like a foodie waiter. You're around nice food and service and elegant people like all the time, or you're around important people or powerful people all the time, and you start thinking that that's rubbing off on you, that somehow you've become wealthy or you've become powerful just because you work near them, and that ain't the case. So waiters develop caviar tastes on liverwurst budgets. I've noticed a lot of waiters, not all, but a lot, have financial problems because they blow their money the moment they get it. Is it important, Steve, for a waiter to have a good relationship with the kitchen staff? If you don't go along with the cooks, you're doomed. I mean, that's it. You can, you can maybe have problems with the head chef, that the head chef really doesn't cook. You got to be tight with the guys on the line. You know, the grill man, the salad man, the guy who's really cooking the food. You know, those are the guys you got to take care of, and they'll take care of you. How so? Because you know, let me tell you. Here's an example. One day, I'll say I run an order out, and someone wanted a steak medium rare, and I bring out medium well, and, it's, and I screwed it up. I made the mistake, right? And everyone else is eating their food, and this guy is all unhappy. I'm so sorry, sir. I run that back to the kitchen, and I'm begging the cook, dude, you got to give me a medium rare steak. And he'll grab a medium rare steak from someone else's table and give it to me, and I can run it out and take care of my customer. He's going to do that for me, cause, or, or she's going to do that with me because we're tight, you know, and I cover his case in case something goes wrong on his end. A lot of people who work in restaurants are immigrants, many of them here in the U.S. illegally. Did you take notice of anything in particular about their lives? Everyone that I met there was, almost everyone was illegal. And everyone worked hard, kept their nose clean. You know, they wanted to make their money to send home and to try and establish a life in this country. They were just like a really nice group of people that I think people really like think are invisible, you know, and they don't realize that restaurants are like, they're like theater. You walk in, you see the lovely stage, you see all the nice actors and, and stuff. But then you go in the back, and that's where all the work is getting done. That's where the stage hands are. That's where all the illusion is created at the back. So I always tell people, just don't forget, there's someone chopping those potatoes, those onions. There's a dumpster in the back of every restaurant. You know, and that's where you're going to always find some, you know, a couple of Spanish or Egyptian guys, you know, having a cigarette and a quick beer in the back because they work 14, 15 hour days. And at some restaurants, waiters are sharing their tips with these people. That is a very, very interesting topic because some owners of some restaurants have decreed that they will be dividing tips up with the kitchen staff. I know of one restaurant in particular where they do this illegally. They're not upfront about it. They just go up to the waiters and say, at the end of the night, after you've tipped out the bus people and after you've tipped out, you know, the bartender, they come up to you and say, now you got to give five percent to the kitchen. And legally, they don't have to. Hmm. But they're told, they're told point blank, if you don't do this, you don't come back tomorrow. When you pay a tip, customers are subsidizing the sales force of the restaurant. That's how it works. We make our existence on tips. So you, the customer, are subsidizing the owner's sales force. That happens with stockbrokers, so this is nothing new, okay? But the owners are so cheap half the time that they want the customers now to subsidize the kitchen staff. So they're making the waiters 
pay. And now that you've got an, I mean, Lehman Brothers going down, all these people, let me tell you, budgets are getting trimmed. People are not going to be going out to eat as much, and they're going to be forcing cheap owners, bad owners. There are good owners out there, don't get me wrong, but the bad owners, the cheapskates, they're going to be doing more and more of that nonsense. And that's illegal, by the way. I must say, Steve, you sound a little bitter. I mean, I have a lot of nice experiences about it, but you tuned into something that really gets my goat, is that you have people exploiting. I mean, waiters tend to be a very transitional lot of people. They tend to be young. They tend to be people like in school or changing careers. They tend to be a vulnerable bunch. And you also got people who uh, are illegal immigrants working or immigrants, legal immigrants. They're a vulnerable bunch. And there are people out there in the restaurant industry that prey on these people and suck every dime they can out of them. You mentioned, Steve, that waiters make their living based on tips. Now, we know that the standard gratuity is between 15 and 20 percent, but there are all kinds of tippers out there, and you put labels on a number of them. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have the little old people who still think it's 10 percent, because that's what tips used to be. Mm-hmm. What can you say to an oldster who leaves you 10%? You have the verbal tipper, and these are the worst. These people, they would come in, and they would say, you're the best waiter I ever had, right? The minute you hear that, you know you're not getting a tip, because these are the people who leave you 5 bucks on a $100 check. They think verbal praise will pay the rent. And then we have the compensator. This is the guy, usually the guy who comes in like with like hookers, and he's obnoxious, and he drinks too much, and he leaves you like a 40% tip to make up for his bad behavior. What about the accountant? Oh, the accountant's my favorite. I mean, these are the kind of guys, like, if the check is like $101.01, right, and you split the check down the middle, some guy has a check that's one penny more, right? So when he writes in his exactly 15% tip, he writes it one penny less than the other guy. I mean, that's... That's anal retentive to the point of psychosis. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, we have people like that. and I, They're cheap. And those are the people that don't tip on the wine or don't tip on the tax and stuff like that. Foreign tourists also don't make the best tippers, right? Well, I mean, part of it is they don't know. I don't really get that ticked off. I mean, I would hear an English accent or a French accent, I would go, boy. But very often they don't know what the deal is, and that just happens. But then you get people who, I mean, especially in New York, you got so many diplomats at the U.N., right? They don't tip because they pretend that, oh, we don't tip in my country. And then they're, like, using the State Department tax-exempt cars. Oh, that's even better. They know the score. They're diplomats in this country. You mean to tell me you're supposed to be an expert on the United States and you don't know the tipping customs? So there are some foreigners who fake not knowing in order to save a few dollars. You once saved a patron's life. This guy was choking. You gave him the Heimlich, and he yep. still only gave you an 8% 8% tip. 8% tip. And the thing was, he was a doctor. Because when I looked at the credit card, it said MD. And I said, next time I let him die. You know? <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, I didn't expect like 100, but I didn't expect anything absorbent. I would save his life if he was just on the street. But then it gave me 8%. Do you try to get inside the head of someone like that? It's like getting to the mind of serial killers. I think if you do that too much, you, you come out damaged, you know? I just think some people are chronically cheap. Many women have told me this, and I mentioned it in the book. When you see someone who's cheap with the waiter, when you see someone who's 
who doesn't treat the waiter well, the bus person well, when you see a cheap tipper, that's a very good indication that they're going to be that way in a relationship, whether that's going to be a professional relationship, because I've heard of CEOs watching candidates interact with waiters and seeing how, you know, seeing how personable they are. Or you're on a date and your date leaves a bad tip. That could be a bad sign. A woman once asked you whether her date gave you a good enough tip. You said no, and she walked away yeah, from him. Yeah, and she walked away from him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, normally if the guy would leave me 15%, I would say, oh, everything's fine, miss, thank you. And I wouldn't show her the check, but this fool left me like 8%, and I was I was working my butt off to, to make sure he had a good time, you know, because if a guy's leaving happy, he's going to be a good tipper. And despite all the work I put into it, he gave me like 8, 8% or something like that. And so when the girl asked, I just showed her the check. And she was so embarrassed, she gave me, well, I think she, she gave me like $20 to cover it. And the guy came out of the bathroom, and, like, the mood had changed. He was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know? And that was the end of that day. So, guys, beware. Don't be cheap tippers. We've all heard rumors about waiters who spit in food to get back at their nasty customers. Is there any truth to that? It does happen. I never did it. Most of the waiters I've worked in my career with don't do it. But... I've had waiters tell me exactly what they've done. I've heard everything from they say I've spat the food to I've put, oh, you know, hairs in the food, stuff like that. But I think that that's wrong. I don't think you should ever adulterate someone's food stuff. My thing would be like if you were a jerk and you want a reservation on Valentine's Day, I'd put you by the toilet, you know. Um, if you were trying to act like a big deal, when it came time to pay the bill, I would say, hey, hey, your credit card declined, you know, and make him look like uh, like he was broke in front of his date or his business partner. So, You've yeah, actually done a, that. You've done oh, that. I've done that lots of times. Yeah. One time I had a guy, I remember, the first restaurant I worked at, I declined all his cards. He gave me like three. I declined them all. I didn't even run them. And then I came back. I said, he got something else. And then finally I ran it and let the guy off the hook because he was insufferable. Your book includes 40 tips on how to be a good customer, one being to keep your reservation. What are some of the others? Be polite. Say please and thank you. Acknowledge the waiter when they come to the table. Don't, like, ignore us. Please don't talk on your, talk on your cell phone while we're trying to take your order. I mean, come on. And you know, just be a decent tipper. How do you tip when you go out to eat? I'm usually a good tipper. I mean, I tip about 20%. Is pretty much my standard tip. If I get really good service, I'll leave 25. If I'm celebrating a big event, I might leave 30. Um, if I give someone 15%, that means I didn't enjoy the service and I'm just not going to stiff a waiter because I'm afraid karma will cause me to burst into flames if I do that. <laughs> but, um, but, of course, many of us tip simply based on service. If we get poor service, we may leave below 15% or nothing at all. I always tell people that not the waiter doesn't keep all the money. They got to tip out to the bus people. They got to tip out to the bartender. They got to tip out to whoever, and so maybe they keep eighty to seventy cents of every dollar they get. They do get taxed, you know, on this money as well. So when you stiff a waiter, you are also stiffing people who may have done nothing wrong. If I had the waiter from hell, I didn't want him to get my, get get a tip. I would hand the money to the bus boy and say, "Here, you get the entire tip." I will leave someone at tip. All right. Good advice. Good advice. You also tell restaurant customers that they should avoid certain places. You say, check out the bathroom before you sit down to eat. That's an oldie but a goodie. I mean, you know, if you walk into a bathroom and you see 
that it's chronically bad, like there's no hot water in the sink, you know, because the owner's so cheap. He doesn't want to pay for the hot water. You know, they've got the nastiest toilet paper. The toilet's shifted off its base. The sink doesn't work. It's dirty. That's bad. I mean, you can have a perfectly nice bathroom and 100 customers can come in and trash it. That's not the restaurant's fault. But you know the chronic systemic problems. If you see something like that, the odds are pretty good. They're not doing a good job in the kitchen either. You also advise customers to always examine the check. Do waiters make a lot of mistakes? I was at a very nice restaurant. Food's excellent. Service is excellent. They put a $75 bottle of dessert wine on my check. Hmm. And I'm looking at the check, and I'm like... And I'm looking at the dessert wine on the next table. A couple next to me is making out. <laughs> they have their bottle of dessert wine. And I'm sitting there going, this isn't on our check. This is not supposed to be on our check. So mistakes like that happen. Sometimes I would put an extra martini on the check just by accident. you know. And sometimes waiters, you know, there are the occasional waiters who are dishonest and pump up their check by, like, adding too many sodas to the bill, the double tip. You know, if there's a mandatory tip because you have a party of six or more and there's a little grift where you just write the total with the tip on the back and give it to the host that the host is drunk, they tip on top of the amount with the tip included, so you got a double tip. Those are all the little games sometimes waiters will play. Well, the book is Waiter Rant, Thanks for the Tip, Confessions of a Cynical Waiter. Steve Dublonica, thanks so much. Thanks, Fordham. Waiter Rant is published by Echo. I want the waiter with the water. I want the waiter with the water for my daughter. I want the waiter with the water for my daughter, cause my daughter has an order for some water on the drink. Hello, my name is Trinity Bush. I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I define myself as a good tipper. I have a personal friend as a waitress, so I know exactly what you're supposed to tip. If the waitress was exceptional, I'd even give her more than what the average is supposed to be. My name is Rhoda Frey, and I live in Arvada, Colorado. If you give 20%, that's a very nice tip. And if the service isn't that good, I wouldn't give any. (laughs) My name is Nicholas Fortier. Uh, I live in Jersey City. I can be hit or miss with tipping. I can think of a few times where I have not left a tip for really, really shoddy service, generally. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Boldarki. Joining me now to talk more about tipping is a man who's done a lot of research on the subject. Michael Lynn is a professor of consumer behavior and marketing at the Cornell University School of Hotel Administration. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How many studies have you conducted on tipping behavior? I've lost count. <laughs> I have 50 or more. 50 or more. I wouldn't even think that would be possible. It's a pretty narrow topic to specialize in, but it's an important one. How do you conduct your research? A variety of different ways. Telephone surveys of consumers, internet surveys of consumers, asking servers to record information about their dining. What are some of the questions you ask consumers? Well, sometimes I'll just have people stand outside of restaurants interviewing customers as they leave about their dining experience. So I'm asking questions like, what did you have? Did you order alcohol or not? How would you rate the service? How would you rate the quality of the food? How much was your bill? How much did you tip? And then I would look and see whether those who consumed alcohol tipped more or less than those who didn't. 
whether people tip more when they evaluated the service more favorably and so forth. Do you think that people tip differently under the influence? Yes, the data suggests that people do tip more when they've had something alcoholic to drink. Hmm. Do waiters know that? If they read my work, they do. (laughs) What inspired you to study tipping behavior? I paid my way through school waiting tables and bartending, and so my livelihood at that time depended on tips. At the same time, I was studying economics and psychology, and from an economic perspective, tipping doesn't make sense. Economists would argue nobody should give away money that they don't have to. Yet, obviously, from a psychological perspective, we feel some social pressure to do it. And so it was that confluence of my own personal self-interest. I'd love to know more about how to get better tips in order to increase my income. And the conflict between economic and psychological perspectives just made it interesting to me. And what did you learn as far as how to get better tips? The best thing you can do is to establish rapport with the customer. The more they think of you as a likable individual and not some anonymous, neutral thing, the better that they'll tip you. And there are a variety of specific things servers can do to increase their rapport with the guest. Such as? Squatting down next to the table. It brings your head down to the same level as the customer's, which facilitates eye contact, makes the server appear physically closer to the customer, and both eye contact and proximity are signals of liking. And so by squatting down, the server is telling the customers that they're interested in them, they like them. That liking will be reciprocated and will result in larger tips. But I question, Michael, whether that would work at a fine restaurant. It might be one thing to do that in a chain, but an exclusive place? Clearly, there are restaurants for which it would be inappropriate. It wouldn't fit the style of service. Most of the research I do is at casual dining restaurants places like Outback, Red Lobster, that sort of place. I've had waitstaff gently touch me on the shoulder. Yes. Is that a good thing? Absolutely. There have been about four different studies, all of which find that servers get better tips when they touch customers on the shoulder. What else can servers do to boost their tips? Smiling. A big open mouth smile where the customer can see your teeth improves tips. When the customer orders, Repeat the order back. So when they say, I'll have a burger with fries, you go, burger with fries. And the next customer orders, mimicking, literally repeating the order back has been shown to increase tips. Gosh, there are so many things. Giving people candy at the end of the meal will increase tips. Really? Yeah, because if you're giving them something, then they feel a need to reciprocate. And so what we found in that study is giving them two pieces of candy caused them to tip even more than giving them one. And if you gave them two pieces of candy, turned to leave, and then came back and get, oh, have another one. Hmm. So that it was spontaneous, then tips increased even more. So, yeah, giving candy is a way of communicating, liking, giving someone something, and then they need to reciprocate. And in the case of customers, the only way to reciprocate really is to leave a better tip, which they do. What about putting a little smiley face on the bill? It works for women, but not for men. Why is that? Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) Perhaps it's inappropriate. People perceive it as not being a very masculine thing to do. Drawing a sun works for both men and women. Drawing a sun, you say? Yeah, drawing a picture of the sun on the check. Also, predicting good weather in the future. Telling customers, oh, you know, I just heard a weather report, and the weather's supposed to be great tomorrow. That improves tips. How did you even know to look into that? Well, that's not a study I did. That's something that someone else did. But 
psychologists are interested in the effects of weather on mood and mood on helping behavior. So they put those things together and said, let's look at the effects of weather on this naturalistic helping behavior tipping. Drawing a picture of the sun on a check. Well, yeah, first research looked at the effects of whether it was sunny outside and that impact on tipping. And then people were interested in, well, since people tip more when it's sunny outside, then they went and asked, what if we gave this kind of artificial stimulus that kind of reminds people of sunny weather? (laughs) And that's how the drawing of the sun was done. That's fascinating to me. What surprised you most in your own research? The thing that surprised me the most was that about a third of the people in this country don't know you're supposed to tip waiters 15 to 20% of the bill. That is surprising. Yeah. Is it a generational thing, do you think? There are generational differences. Older consumers remember back when the norm was much less. It used to only be 10%. So they're less likely to be aware of the recent norm. Are people more likely to give bigger tips to wait staff of the opposite sex? Yes. Men tip waitresses uh, better than women do and women tip waiters better than men do. What else have you learned about getting inside the heads of tippers? What makes them fork it over? Obviously, we talked about some things there, but what else? Well, social approval is a big component. The biggest factor that influences tipping in restaurants is bill size, and that's because there's this social norm. You're expected to tip a percentage of the bill, and so the bigger the bill, the bigger the tip amount. And that explains 70% of the differences in the dollar tip left by different dining parties. 70% of that can be explained just by knowing their bill size. That means bill size is twice as powerful as everything else combined because everything else accounts for only the remaining 30% of the variability in tips. So if you're a shrewd waiter, you're pushing the more pricier entree and you're pushing the most expensive bottle of wine. Absolutely. And if it's busy... You're not wanting people to have desserts and appetizers. You're wanting to get them in and out quickly so you can get more customers to order the expensive wine and entree. If it's slow and you're not likely to replace those customers anytime soon, then you want to sell lots of appetizers and desserts. What do you think of restaurants that do away with tipping and implement a service charge? From whose perspective? Most wait staff probably will make more under a tipping system than under a service charge system, although it depends in part upon what the service charge is and where you're at. For example, in Miami Beach, Florida, about 40% of the restaurants there impose an automatic service charge, presumably because there's a large international clientele and it's a tourist destination, and those international guests don't tip in accordance with U.S. norms. So in that case, is it possible that imposing the service charge of 15 to 20%, the typical service charge is probably 15, some of them are charging 18%. That may actually improve the income of those servers in those restaurants. In other places in the United States, it depends again on where you're at. In Philadelphia, the average tip's about 18%. If you impose a 15% service charge, you're reducing the server's income. That's an interesting point. Do people tend to tip more in certain parts of the country? Yes. The East Coast, generally speaking, has higher tipping rate. The South has lower tipping rates, and the West and the Midwest are intermediate. Any particular reasoning behind that? I haven't figured it out yet. Are there some countries where tipping is more prevalent than here in the United States? No. We tip 
a greater number of service providers than any other place I've studied or learned about. And we tip more than most other countries. There are some other countries where they tip the same amounts that we do, you know, 20, 15 to 20% for waiters. But nobody tips more than we do. How do you tip, Michael? Well, I tend to tip 18%. What would make you tip less than that? Anything? Yeah, if the service was really atrocious, but it'd have to be pretty bad. I would imagine you have a lot of friends who are waiters, even if you don't know it. I hope so. You know, I have this booklet out that is free and on the Internet and can be found a variety of different locations called Mega Tips, which tell servers how to earn better tips. I'm hoping all of those people who have read it uh, have benefited from it and have at least some goodwill toward me. Michael Lynn is a professor of consumer behavior and marketing at the Cornell University School of Hotel Administration. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Of Rami Hussain, I'm from New York. I consider myself a generous tipper. Typically, I calculate in my head, I'll just double the tax. I think that's one of the easiest things to do because tax rate in New York is 8.5%. So I'll double that and then add a couple of bucks and figure that's 20. If they did a really good job, I'll leave them like 25%. If the service was just really, really bad, you ask for something two or three times, it doesn't come. I'm actually not that patient of a person. So if I have to get up and go to the kitchen myself to ask for something, that's pretty bad. In a situation like that, I won't leave a tip. My name is Anthony Traffan and I'm from London. I base my tipping on what I tip in London, which is less than New York. London, you would expect uh, maybe 10%. Uh, in New York, it seems maybe 20%. That's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki, and here's a tip for you. You can find past editions of Cityscape and learn how to podcast the show at WFUV.org. My thanks to producer McCall Neria. Now go have some breakfast at a diner, wherever you want, a restaurant, and tip well, will you? Have a bottle of rosé. Get a table near the street In our old familiar place You and I